What's cooking, everybody? It's Monday, August 17th. 2020 is still shitty, and this is the Poor Couples Food Guide Deep Dish Podcast, where we do a deep dive on all your favorite foods. I'm your host, Poor Couples Food Guide Eric, aka The Goose, aka Lost Forest, and with me as always is my lovely co-host, Poor Couples Food Guide Meg, aka Le Skunk, aka Mega Skunk. Hello! And together, we are feeling a bit sour tonight. We've got a real lemon of an episode ready for you guys. We hope you're hungry for some tasty knowledge facts, because today your main course is going to be lemonade. Yeah, that uh, wasn't an exaggeration. We're both kind of in a crappy mood tonight. Yeah, no one in this apartment feels good good tonight (laughs) yeah you don't feel great uh i've i've had a headache all day and uh the dog just threw up right yeah like i was nauseous at lunchtime you've had a headache the past couple hours charlie threw up a couple hours ago i don't know good old class it's a good old classic monday yeah and to top it all off got a letter today from the fucking irs saying that we owe them money despite the fact that i checked my bank account and we sure shit paid them their stupid uh their blood money yeah their blood money so spent oh i'd say about an hour on the phone trying to get a hold of a human being to tell them and failed and yeah an hour later and like six telephone numbers later we just we didn't make it so i don't know what's gonna happen i guess we'll try again tomorrow or might have to fucking go in in person. Uh, fuck the IRS. It was funny because I asked my, like, I called my parents, asked my mom for bank advice. And my parents got convinced we fell for, like, an IRS scam. So then later I texted my dad, be like, the amount of menus we've had to go through could only have been set up by the government. <laughs> like, there's no way scammers would wait this long just to get, like, a little money from us. <laughs> yeah, the the amount of effort put into making that, that phone system, like, a shitty and flawed as possible to resemble a government like hotline i don't think the the 300 we uh we supposedly owed was worth that amount of effort scammers are probably more efficient than the government yeah to be honest. uh honestly if you if you think that it's fishy that you got something asking for money for the government and um and you're like able to easily get in touch with somebody i got news for you that's a scam because if it's a government phone then uh you're not getting a hold of somebody and that was IRS tips brought to you by Poor Couples Food Guide, I guess. Jesus, uh, let's switch topic to something actually tangentially food related. Um, Friday food this week, we're going to make some crunch wraps at home. Not from Taco Bell, although I'm curious, did Taco Bell invent the crunch wrap or is that like a thing that just... I know it's not an authentic like Mexican-American cuisine that was like invented centuries ago, but... Maybe that can be a future episode. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to look into that. But uh, crunch wraps, you know, if you never had one before, which uh, I guess you're like maybe either 100 years old or one years old, but they're they're actually pretty easy to make at home. If, if you like getting them from Taco Bell, just go buy a big stack of tostada tortillas, like the, the crunchy flat ones, and like a bunch of regular like tortillas, and you can make those at home. They're really easy to make. They're kind of a pain in the ass to fold up, but like... It's it's a homemade fun crunch wrap. Doesn't need to look super pretty. I'm pretty sure we have a recipe on our website. Yeah, that's true. That is right, folks. <laughs> Go to poorcouplesfoodguide.com and search for crunch wrap homemade, and you can learn how to make your own crunch wrap. Seriously, though, we have a bunch of like Taco Bell like uh, copycat recipes and shit on our website. So if you've never been to it, give it a look. We have a whole section like devoted to just making 
our own versions of like famous foods from like restaurants and fast food places at home because 99% of the time if you make it home it's going to taste better and it's going to be better for you so what are you waiting for make some crumb traps at home yeah it's under the we can do it better category yeah that's what actually i i feel a little bit ashamed but i kind of forgot that we had that uh that category on our website it's been that long since we wrote something for the we can do it better if you guys want us to do more, if you give us feedback, it might inspire us to actually post more recipes and stuff. Yeah, nudge, nudge. If, if you'd like to know how to make, for example, a McDonald's chocolate milkshake, we could help you out with that. Although that's a bad example because it's a fucking milkshake. Okay, I'm all full of appetizers. We got actually a lot of stuff to cover today, despite the fact it's just being fucking lemonade. But there was a lot of research to be had, so... Because of that, without further ado, I present to all of you today's main course. Lemonade is a refreshing drink made of three simple ingredients. Lemon juice, water, and sugar. At first, I was going to start this off saying I'm not really sure if we need to explain what lemonade is to everyone, but... Unfortunately, thanks to Britain, we actually do. So, for the majority of the world, such as North America, South America, most of Asia, and also Africa as well, lemonade is, well, lemonade. It's a sweet, uncarbonated beverage made with lots of lemon juice, as we mentioned above. It's a simple drink, just juice, water, and sugar, and the high concentration of juice gives it a, a cloudy yellow color to it. Meanwhile, in the UK, their idea of lemonade is, well, 7-Up, basically. <laughs> Seriously, in Britain and Australia, if you ask for a lemonade, you'll get a fizzy, clear-colored, lemon-flavored soda. Apparently, at some point, some asshole decided to create a lemon-flavored carbonated beverage over there and call it a lemonade. So yeah, many brands of lemonade over there are pretty similar to 7-Up or Sprite since they're just lemony citrus soda or sometimes even just seltzer water. A lot of them contain very little juice from real lemons relying more on lemon flavorings and since they contain little or no juice, they come out clear in color. In the context of food documentation, you see a lot of places refer to the aforementioned normal lemonade as cloudy lemonade because like she said the concentration of juice inside of it gives it a little bit of a cloudy appearance of course in the context of this podcast we're just going to be referring to it as you know lemonade because that's what it is it's fucking lemonade not soda our podcast our rules meanwhile the british version of lemonade tends to be clear in color and food documents seem to call it clear lemonade despite it just being a can of fucking seven up as we said, around the world, your standard glass of lemonade is a lot stronger tasting, containing a high amount of juice in it, hence why it has that quote-unquote cloudy lemonade moniker. Britain's fake lemonades seem to have only around 2-5% to lemon juice for most brands we were able to research. Compare that to actual lemonade, lemonade where you see upwards of 20% juice content. Fuck yeah, baby. Give me that pucker power. That's what we're talking about. Why would you want some wimpy-ass babby lemon soda with some, like, flavorings added when you could just be drinking a nice, tall, refreshing glass of fruit acid? One-fifth lemon juice? Get that vitamin C, bro. Boost that immune system shit. Let's go, baby. Just don't drink pure lemon juice unless you're in the mood for a challenge. Unless you're like me and just like to eat lemon slices because that's also yummy and basically just 
pre-lemonade. Anyway, the word lemonade itself is derived from the French and Italian words limon and limonata, which in turn was taken from Arabic. Checks out, actually, considering lemonade seems to originally come from the Middle East and Asia. In English, it pretty simply combines the word lemon with the suffix aid, A-D-E, which now just sort of comes has come to mean any fruity soft drink beverage. As far as we could tell, there's no real official definition or guideline for what constitutes an aid. Nowadays, you see lemonade, limeade, orangeade, grapeade, cherryade, gatorade, powerade, flavorade, kool-aid. It goes on and on. There's a whole bunch of aids for you to try. Just, uh, just don't try out AIDS, AIDS. Anyway, sometimes you see lemonade in powdered forms, sometimes you see it in frozen concentrate forms. No matter what, though, it is one of the most refreshing drinks on the planet. The quintessential summertime drink. Seriously, I don't think there's anything more satisfying than being outside on a hot summer day, working up a sweat, feeling miserable like you're going to melt and pass out. Then you get inside, you have a nice, cool glass of lemonade. I'd argue sometimes it's even better than an orgasm. Just that that nice, crisp, tart flavor, but it's balanced out by the sweetness. Ice cold. Oh, fuck. It's like the most wonderful shock to the system you can get. Also, lemonade makes for excellent practical gag material, since it also looks like you're drinking pee. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I actually knew a guy in high school who, like, he told people apparently if you drink pee three times, you'll die. And, like, he told that to me and my friends, like, a few times. Not sure why. Like, I don't know if he meant, like, you drink pee three times in a row or, like, three times ever in your life. He, uh, he wasn't really clear on that. And, uh, not sure what his source was. <laughs> uh, pretty sure that's not true. I uh, can't exactly speak from experience, but I feel like with all the piss porn out on the internet, if they were dropping dead after three shoots, probably would have heard something about it by now. Didn't Bear Grylls drink his pee a lot or something? I just remember Survivor Man being like, yeah, don't don't actually drink your pee. Yeah, uh, Bear Grylls was like, uh, he's kind of like if you released like the cast of Jackass into the wilderness and just let them film. Meanwhile, Les Stroud from Survivor Man, he actually kind of seems like he knows what he's doing. So make of that what you will. Anyway, moving away from pee talk for now, at least. <laughs> Sometimes you see a variation called Pink Lemonade which can be flavored with grapefruit juice or strawberry juice. Those are pretty tasty, a little bit sweeter, more on the confectionery side. There's also a type called brown lemonade, which uh, is apparently made from brown sugar and uh, molasses. Never had that one and actually never heard of it before we researched this episode. Honestly, sounds kind of gross, but I guess I'd be willing to try it, Uh, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I don't like the sound of it. I know it's brown because of brown sugar or molasses, but it makes me think that they just use rotten lemons. I don't know. There's not a ton of situations where brown equals yummy. I mean, chocolate, I guess, but even then, most chocolate is, like, dark brown. Yeah, no one really goes, oh boy, no one I could really go for? Food that's the same color as shit. (laughs) Another lesser known variation of lemonade believe it or not is garlic lemonade yep that one's not even a joke garlic lemonade is more rooted in historical remedies and stuff it's frequently given to people who are sick or unwell since garlic is known to boost the immune system and have antiviral properties as far as the taste goes well it's it's actually not bad it you know it sounds gross it sounds like something that should be like a a cartoon gag joke that, that leads you to have a dug moment but honestly, it's it's pretty good. If I had to compare it to something, it's it's kind of like a 
If you've ever had like a nice like roast chicken breast that's been marinating with lemon juice and the juices that get left over in the pan, they're all like lemony and garlicky. Honestly, that's what garlic lemonade tastes like, just, you know, with sugar in it to make it tasty and, you know, served cold so it's refreshing. We'll talk more about garlic lemonade later on in this episode. Either way, the one common trait we've got here, though, is the base recipe of lemon juice, water, and sugar. You could spin it a million ways, and most of them are awesome. Well, not all of them. Most of them are, though. Anyway, I think we've covered enough about, like, what the concept of lemonade is... And now we exactly know what today's topic is, so let's dig into its origins. So the earliest documentation of lemonade was from about a thousand years ago in Egypt. However, the lemon itself has been around a little bit longer than that. Before this, there's, there's evidence of early lemon farming taking place in India and the Middle East in the 10th century. The lemon itself is actually a bit more of a recent invention in the grand scope of planet Earth. They haven't been around forever. Instead, it's suggested that lemons were actually hybrids of oranges and another citrus fruit called citron. Citrons, specifically, are apparently one of the three original citrus fruits that humans have domesticated over time. Yeah, I never knew about this, that like all of our modern citrus fruits came from these three common ancestors, citrons, pomelos, and mandarin oranges. It's cool. Like, it kind of sounds like some sort of, like, badass old legend. By the glory of citrus, before there was lemons, before there were limes, there were but the three original citrus masters. Citron, pomelo, and mandarin. Their powers combined to defend us from the great scurvy plague. Is it the citrus triforce? Citron, pomelo, and mandarin? Yeah, either that or it's the the cast of the next season of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. (laughs) The citron, which is the ancestor of lemon, honestly just looks like a shitty lumpy version of a lemon. They're kind of ugly. From the sound of it, they're not even very useful for culinary stuff since they don't taste great. They mostly just impart that citric zest flavor, but are really bitter. Yeah, apparently there's a variety of citron called Buddha's Hand with these like long tendrils and shit. And I'm going to be frank here. I hate these things. Really, they're awful. Go look up photos of them. They look like an octopus that's dying of smallpox. Or like you took a bunch of bananas, emptied the skin out, and then restuffed them full of, like, chopped meat and Legos. If I ever saw one in real life, I'd probably just, like, instinctively throw it on the ground and stomp on it as hard as I possibly can. I don't know if it's, like, trypophobia or what, but these things, they just freaking gross me out. They're not particularly nice looking. Also, who the fuck decided to name these things Buddha's Hands? Kind of really mean on their part, you know? You see this gross, warty-looking fruit, and you name it after him as, like, you know, as if he had these, like, rough, gnarly-looking monster fingers? That ain't cool. I never met the guy, but I'm sure the Buddha had some majestic saintly fingers. Why name such a shit-tier fruit after him? Yeah, that was kind of a dick move. Like, it'd be like discovering a new breed of cat that's, like, permanently covered in its own shit, and deciding, you know what? We're gonna name this one the Jesus Tabby. Yeah, yeah, I know it's always got diarrhea, it leaks shit from its ears, shit from its eyes, it shits from its mouth, shitting all over the place. Seems like the right call to name it after our Lord and Savior. Wow, you really don't like these things, do you? Uh, if it were up to me, I'd name these things the Monster Fruit, or the Witch Tit, or the Fuck Hand. Those all make way better sense than the Buddha's Hand. I like the Witch Tit. It reminds me of one of my favorite lines from Corner Gas. Where Hank, who's like kind of the dumb character, goes, It's cold as a witch's mitt out there, instead of, well, you know. Anyway, everyone go watch Corner Guest. It's an A-plus Canadian sitcom, and also now has animated version, too. 
Yeah, fortunately for everyone though, early Asian civilizations in Burma were able to breed this shitty fruit with sour oranges to produce the modern lemon that we have now. And luckily for all of us, contrary to modern car lingo, this new fruit was not a lemon. Following this new hybrid citrus fruit's creation, lemons spread to ancient Rome and the Middle East in the first few centuries of AD. They weren't grown very much, probably because people didn't know what to do with them yet. Yeah, seriously, think of how often you actually just like grab a lemon out of your fridge and make something with it. Like, I know you, skunk, like to eat just like lemons, but I feel like you're in the minority here. I mean, I only really eat them when they're like on my cup of water in a restaurant, just so it doesn't go to waste. Yeah, like all right. Stuff. Fair enough. I feel like though, like odds are the average person just will never just reach into their fruit uh, into their fridge and grab a lemon. Just it's refreshing. Even if you do like grab just a lemon, it's probably because you're making lemonade. And if it's not lemonade, then I don't know. You're probably grating the zest of it to use like a small amount of that stuff in like a baked good. Like most of the recipes that call for lemon just call for lemon juice and back then they didn't have these large-scale like operations or cranking out bottles of lemon juice and lemon zest so they probably didn't know what to do with them like honestly here's how i imagine it went down like greetings honorable farmer i'm interested in that lovely bright yellow fruit what is it it's a new fruit it's called a lemon ah i'll take one thank you Excellent. I look forward to this delicious new delicacy and the beautiful flavors which it holds in store for... Oh, it tastes like pain. I do not like this fruit. It makes sense, though. Lemons are chock full of citric acid, which is derived from, well, citrus fruits. Yeah, in terms of acidity, lemons are they are actually pretty strong. They're sitting around 2 or 3 on the pH scale. Of course, 7 is neutral, like pure water. And zero just being like cartoon acid that burns holes through solid objects. Lemon juice itself isn't enough to cause injury, but it is mildly corrosive and like if left on skin for long enough, it can cause some irritation and discomfort from mild chemical burns. It's worth noting, as we covered in previous episodes, different pH foodstuffs have different flavors. Alkaline foods like pretzels and baking soda tend to taste bitter because alkalines are bitter. Acids, meanwhile, are sour, which would explain the ultimate pucker power that lemons possessed. Interestingly, apples are somewhat acidic too, despite not being citrus fruits. Rather, they contain malic acid, which isn't quite as strong, but still gives some fruits a nice tart flavor. I think most fruits are on the acidic side of the pH scale, actually. Yeah, and when we were looking into this, uh, apparently you could just take malic acid supplement pills for some reason. Uh, I guess some people believe malic acid is good for your metabolism and it aids in detoxing your body. I, I didn't really fact check that one to see if there's any evidence supporting it, but hell, if it makes people eat more apples and lemons and shit, like, the more the merrier. Apples are friggin' awesome. At any rate, let's get back to lemons. As mentioned, lemons were introduced to Rome in the Middle East, but didn't really catch on much at first. They were later grown in Egypt around 700 AD, and this is where they first started to gain some steam. Yeah, following this, lemons were finally grown wide scale for the first time in Italy in the 1500s. I guess all those Italians just couldn't wait to have some limoncellos. Although, actually, that stuff wasn't really invented until like the 1980s or something. Eh, who'd have thunk they would have taken people so long to, to come up with the idea to drop some lemon peels into paint thinner and call it a drink? Huh. I guess we're lucky we didn't end up with penny alla limoncello instead of penny alla vodka if both were invented or in a similar time frame. Ugh. 
Anyway, after this, they became a staple fruit for many European countries and were eventually introduced to the Americas by Columbus in 1493. From here on out, lemons were a common food ingredient and people began breeding different varieties for different purposes. There's the Meyer lemon, which is small and pretty easy to take care of. You can actually grow them in pots year-round. And then we've got the Eureka lemon, which can be grown year-round in warm climates, and apparently that's the common type of lemon that you'll see in most grocery stores. Do they grow in Eureka's castle? Mm, I don't remember seeing any back then, but you oh. never know. Deep cut. <laughs> Italy's got the Sorrento lemon, which is grown mostly for lemon oils and extracts. Probably mostly for, well, lemoncello again. Ugh. Limoncello sucks. It does. Every time we have it, you're expecting it to just be like Mike's Hard Lemonade. And it does not. It tastes like garbage. Or it, t- it tastes literally like poison. Yeah. If you much. handed me a beaker of limoncello and we were like, drink this poison. I'd, I'd honestly, well, first of all, I'd say, no, I'm not drinking poison. <laughs> but then second of all, if you held a gun to my head and said, drink this poison, I would drink it. And I'd be like, well, it was nice knowing you. Uh, oh, yeah. Believe it or not, there's uh, there's also another breed called the Variegated Pink Lemon, and it's like a weird green and yellow, like, striped tie-dye lemon with, uh, it actually has pink flesh inside of it. This one, it, it basically just seems like someone really, really wanted pink lemonade to, like, be based on a real fruit, so they, they bred it like that. I don't know. I think that's the same reason you can now find blue raspberries. Yeah, there are real blue raspberries out there in the wild. And, well, probably not the actual wild. Probably more in farms, but close enough. Anyway, that uh, that just about covers up the orange one of the major ingredients of this week's topic, the lemon. Next up, we're going to take a look at the other major factor in lemonade, water. Now then, as we all know, water was invented by Almighty God when early single-celled organisms were like, holy shit, it's hot. I could use a glass of uh, some sort of like clear liquid. Yay, and the Lord answereth by descending and bestowing upon them the first glass of... <laughs> but uh, yeah, seriously though, you get the picture. We're, we're not going to go over the creation of water since uh, it probably involves some like complex astrophysics and in-depth fundamentals of chemistry. And that's not really what we're here to talk about. Science is for nerds, so instead, let's get nitty and let's get gritty so we can talk about some motherfucking lemonade history, everybody. So as mentioned before, the earliest forms of lemonade existed in Egypt and India. I say the two of them because we couldn't find a clear-cut answer to this. Yeah, one source states the earliest version of lemonade was a traditional Indian beverage called shikanji, or nimbupani. And actually, it sounds pretty interesting. Like, uh, a basic recipe for shikanji starts with lemon juice and water, raw sugar, ginger root, salt and pepper, and sometimes spices like saffron and cumin. Though, admittedly, I'm not exactly crazy about the thought of adding salt here. Meanwhile, over in Egypt... They were brewing up a concoction of fermented barley, mint, rue, black pepper, and citron leaf. This one kind of sounds even worse, if I'm being honest. Barley tea is good, though, so maybe it's not the worst. Wait, what is rue? Is it nasty? I feel like my parents might have accidentally gotten rue at a plant nursery once, and we were looking it up to find out what to do with it, and apparently it's an herb with limited culinary usage, and it's poisonous in high doses. Cool. Very goth lemonade, then. Also, by the way, what's with all these old lemon drinks, like, having pepper in them? Lemon's not zesty enough for you? You'd think all these people living in these hot-as-fuck areas, like India and the Middle East, would be like, 
Hey, uh, should we add some spicy black pepper to this drink? And then just go, nah, nah, it's too hot for that shit. Fortunately, that cash cob drink eventually morphed closer into actual lemonade, sometime shortly after the year 1000 AD. There's written evidence documenting Jewish Egyptians creating a beverage called katarmizat, which was effectively modern lemonade. Yeah, this stuff, katarmizat, was made up of honey, lemon juice, and water. Huh. Yeah, so uh, that's basically it. Good job, everyone. We already got to lemonade. Hooray. Yeah, so uh, turns out, despite the super complicated top-secret formula of sugar, lemon, and water being invented all the way back then, it, it actually still took a while for it to catch on in the West. Around the same time people in Egypt were making legit lemonade, the British were making medicinal cordial drinks using lemon juice. Yeah, so I guess not the worst idea in the world. Lemons have a decent number of health benefits, so it makes sense they're making, like, uh, medicine with lemon juice. For starters, like many citrus roots, they have a shitload of vitamin C in them. Like, over half your daily recommended intake of vitamin C can be found in one lemon. Vitamin C is good for your immune system, so it helps with maintaining strong bones and collagen as well. It promotes a good cardiovascular system, it aids to prevent heart disease and lowers your blood pressure, and also, ironically, despite the fact that citric fruits are practically made up of, like, battery acid, they metabolize into alkalines, meaning they can help lower your body's natural acidity, which then in turn helps prevent some, like, weird random shit like gout and kidney stones and all sorts of random bullshit that pops up when you're too acidic. Don't forget about fighting scurvy, you landlubber. Arr. In addition to vitamin C, lemons also help protect against iron deficiency and anemia. Basically, lemons contain a small amount of iron, but it's not really enough to make a difference. But what they do contain is tons of citric acid. Citric acid in particular helps your body absorb plant-based irons, since iron found in vegetables and fruits aren't as easily digested as ones found in meats. Yeah, so for example, so like people who aren't getting their iron from animal sources, like vegetarians especially, Consuming citrus fruits like lemons is, uh, it's really important if they want to maintain proper nutrition. I mean, you know, that or they could just have a couple of chicken legs. But hey, lemons work too, I guess. Uh, another one we got here is some good old-fashioned anti-cancer properties. So as we all know, cancer is fucking bullshit, and it still manages to edge out both Big Macs and depression on the kill stats for mankind every year. Unfortunately, uh, you know, like because of this, medical researchers are always on the prowl for every little bit that helps in the fight against various types of cancers. And, you know, there's a number of studies demonstrating that citrus roots and lemon oil in particular have some anti-cancer capabilities. Now, now, you're not going to be able to just eat a few lemons to knock out your pancreatic cancer since, you know, nothing is concrete, especially when you're dealing with shitty cancer. But still, diets high in fruit in, uh, that are high in fruits and vegetables is a pretty strong factor in staving off a lot of types of cancers and other health problems in general. So, at the very ass least, couldn't hurt. So, basically, to wrap this all up, lemons equals good for your health. So, drink up, folks. Now that we're done falling down this rabbit hole, let's get back to Europe so we can talk about how they took a simple fruit juice drink and turned it into fucking soda. Picture it. On a hot August summer day in Paris, 19, uh, 1630, the Limonidiers debut lemonade to the Western world by strapping big water tanks onto their backs and filling it with a bubbly lemon water sweetened with honey. You know what happens when you speak French. <laughs> But I'll I will I will go on for the sake of the podcast. Uh, yeah, 
So they had bubbly lemon water sweetened with honey. So in other words, carbonated lemonade. They took a 500-year-old formula, added bubbles, and they paraded around a bunch of sweaty Parisians as if they reinvented the wheel. Not kidding here. Every historical rundown we could find mentions this specific detail, that a bunch of dudes just walked around like parks and stuff in Paris with big stupid tanks of lemonade strapped onto their backs, and they started following people around in parks and dispensed it to all these unsuspecting people who had never had it before. Honestly, it, it kind of sounds like it was just like one of the world's very first like big dumb publicity stunts. Because why else serve it in these ridiculous back-mounted tanks? Were they just like hosing people down like a fucking Ozzy Osbourne concert? In my mind, I'm picturing like those big chemical tanks that landscapers used to spray like weed killer all over the place. Just uh, hopefully without, you know, the, the lymphoma. But seriously, people have been like really confused like looking at these guys like, Oh la la, do you see that? Why is he carrying around a large tank of yellow liquid on his back? Has he great sewers of Paris overflown once again? Oh ho ho ho, but of course, perhaps it is a tank of... Wee oui, wee? Oui. <laughs> yes, I'd like you to know we made it this far without another pee joke, so I hope you appreciate our ability to go this long before doing it again. We'll only do it like maybe like one more time this episode. Promise. Probably. Anyway, bringing it back, yeah, that stunt worked well enough because uh, a few decades later, the vendors formed a union and lemonade became really popular in France. Unfortunately, that's about all we could find in our research about this. No explanation for why it was carbonated or how this lemony drink randomly made it over to the West after 500 years. Don't know who brought it over to Europe from India and Egypt. It just seems like the kind of thing that just happens. Yeah, actually, you know, it's kind of fucked up to think about it. Like, here, like, in Egypt, like, the, the Hebrews invented this awesome drink that's really simple to make, and it's it's pretty good for your health. It's been around for, like, half a century and then some jackass, like, goes uh, goes to Cairo, comes back from his trip, and, like, now he has this big idea to pump it out in these stupid big dumb spray cans and mount it onto a bunch of poor guys who probably dropped dead from carrying them all day. And this guy, they act like they just had this brilliant new invention. Ugh, oh, man, the Jews get the short end of the stick as usual. Anyway, lemonade stuck around in Europe, and it caught on in a lot of other countries, not just France. The next step for it was mass production, thanks to a man known as Johann Schwepp. Schwepp? As in the famous soda brand, Schweppes. Here in America, Schweppes is probably best known for making ginger ale and flavored seltzer. Interesting to think about that this company has been around making that stuff way, way before a big seltzer water trend exploded like five years ago. Yeah, I don't What the hell was up with that? Like, uh, we got all this shit like La Vie and La Croix and like spiked seltzer and hard seltzer and like all these sorts of like hyper popular flavored like carbonated water and all that shit. I, I guess it just, like, took a company to package it, package it in, like, fun, colorful cans and call it handcrafted or something stupid like that for it to catch on with the masses. I feel like I'm the odd one out, though. Seltzer just, uh, it just kind of tastes like poison to me. I'm not the biggest fan of soda, but, like, at the same time, seltzer, it really needs some, like, sweetness to it to take away from that bitter carbonation flavor. Seriously, every time I've ever drunk one of, like, those, uh, popular fancy seltzers now, like, it just leaves me really confused. Like, it makes me think, like, this could be really good, but instead, it kind of just tastes like I'm licking the suntan lotion off of a sweaty guy's back. Yeah, I feel like I try seltzer, like, once a year in the hopes that now I'll like it because the flavors all sound yummy. And every time it just tastes, like, a little yummy, but mostly poison. Like, this weekend, we were at a gathering, and there was this... A socially distant gathering. And there was, um, there's two different versions of, like, the same flavor, um, Smirnoff 
like thing, red, white, and what was it? Red, white, and berry or something? Yeah, red, white, and berry. Yeah. There was a Smirnoff ice version, which was so good. It tasted just like blue raspberry soda. It was so good. Yeah, it tasted like somebody melted a, uh, a firecracker ice pop and then just like added some alcohol to it. Yeah, and then there was a seltzer version, which was ass. Like I picked up the seltzer version by accident when I went to go get another Smirnoff ice version. And it was like, why does this one taste bad? And it's like, oh, because it's seltzer and not a delicious beverage. Yeah, it was fucking sabotage. The cans looked exactly the fucking same. They were the same color, same font, everything. Everything on the can was 100 million percent the exact same, except one said ice and one just said seltzer. So uh, fuck you guys. Fuck you for tricking us like that. <laughs> Anyway, but back in 1792, Schweppes started selling carbonated beverages in London, and uh, it was about like 10 years after the company was founded in Switzerland. Early on, they specialized in stuff like quinine water and seltzer and sodas, but then by the 1830s, they were manufacturing Europe's fizzy lemonade. Interestingly enough, lemonade had already made its way over to the U.S. during the 1700s, independent of Schweppes' expansion into global territories. Fortunately for us, it seems like lemonade was brought over as the classic original version, which is simply just lemon juice, water, and sugar. Yeah, and actually, bizarrely enough, uh, the the earliest published recipe for lemonade we could find in America was from a uh, an 1838 cookbook, The Virginia Housewife. And uh, it was for like a weird frozen form of lemonade that it almost sounds more like an Italian ice or something. It was called lemonade, comma, iced. And it called for a quart of standard lemonade... Okay, off to a good start. Then also it introduces whipped egg whites to be frozen into it afterwards. I'm not really sure how I feel about them. Like, uh, lemon ice is really tasty, but at the same time, eh, frozen frothy eggs doesn't sound particularly appetizing. No, not really. Lemonade became popular in the United States rather quickly because sugarcane was so abundant over here. There's no real explanation for when it officially came over, but probably sometime during the 1600s or 1700s. That seems like a safe bet since sugarcane was a big crop during the colonial era. Also, based on some written records, from the sound of it, it seems like lemonade has, uh, it just seems like it's been a beloved summertime treat for quite some time here. Uh, American writer Laura Ingalls Wilder wrote about lemonade being a popular summer drink, specifically on the 4th of July, when people were, like, waiting in long lines trying to, to get a cup of the sweet, sweet summer-loving nectar from a local lemonade stand. And note, when we say lemonade stand, we don't mean, like, little kids peddling country-time powdered stuff on the side of the road so they can save up for a Nintendo 64. These were more akin to street vendors at, like, country fairs and stuff. We'll talk about children's lemonade stands later on. Next up, pink lemonade is a variety of lemonade that uses strawberry juice, cranberry juice, and, or, and uh, maybe grapefruit juice to give that lemonade a pink hue and make it a bit sweeter of a flavor, like we mentioned earlier in the podcast. Pink lemonade appears to have been invented at the circus, which I guess makes sense since lemonade was a big deal at fairs and festivals, and circuses are all about fantastical, wacky, colorful shit. There's one claim about a Chicago man named Henry Allot, ran away to work at the circus and he invented a pink lemonade apparently his uh his obituary states he added red cinnamon candies to the lemonade one day to spice things up no pun intended unfortunately there was no date or evidence for this so it's kind of up in the air that honestly sounds disgusting yeah i don't know about that one Ironically, uh, this second claim seems a little more concrete despite the fact it's literally coming from the memoirs of a carny. <laughs> 
This explanation comes from the book The Ways of the Circus, being the memories and adventures of George Conklin, Tamer of Lions. In this book, George Conklin says his brother Pete invented pink lemonade in 1857 by total accident. Apparently, on a particularly busy day at the circus, uh, old Pete was slinging out lemonade so fast that at one point he just like got caught up in the shuffle and he grabbed a random mystery bucket of water to use for his next batch, and he didn't really give it a close look. Because apparently that bucket was filled with some pink water that one of the gymnasts had been soaking her dirty pink tights in. She was soaking them in the bucket to clean them up after her like, latest performance, which turned the water pink, and the result was a, uh, a pink-colored lemonade made from a, a girl's sweaty tights. And foot fetishists the world over rejoiced. Uh, seriously though, ironically, guests loved it and it became a fixture at future circuses. Though, presumably with, without the dirty leggings involved, and probably, like, with some fruit juice added. Then again, who knows? The circus is a weird fucking place. Somehow that one is less disgusting than the lemonade with the red hot cinnamon candies added to it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just like this story uh, in particular because, like, apparently the whimsy of seeing pink-colored lemonade was enough to win the people over in spite of that batch presumably having more of a uh, salty footy thigh-like flavor to it uh well i guess they say you eat with your eyes first before your mouth so <laughs> it's worth noting also as we mentioned earlier there actually is a type of lemon with pink colored flesh but in spite of that it has nothing to do with pink lemonade in fact the juice of these lemons is clear colored so unfortunately there isn't some sort of organic natural explanation to rationalize pink lemonade yeah, on the topic of lemonade varieties, uh, there's another type created in the Middle East which combines lemonade with mint, and holy shit, if regular lemonade is refreshing, this version sounds like a fucking slap in the face with a hand made out of solid ice. Limonana, as it's called, is a type of lemonade that also contains mint, ginger, and even lime and apple juice. The mint gives it a green color, and holy fuck, could I really go for one of those right about now. Moving back to the more standard formula, lemonade in general actually got so popular in the U.S. at one point that Sunkist, the juice and citrus fruit company, had begun pitching it as an alternative to alcohol during the 19th century's temperance movement. Yeah, the tagline back then was, Goodbye to liquor, here's to lemonade. To which a bunch of drunks probably responded, lemon party. Seriously, though, uh, I'm not sure what the connection here is. Like, this was still, like, 150 years before hard lemonade was a thing. So, I don't know. Nothing about lemonade tastes or resembles liquor or beer. So, uh, I guess maybe it's kind of similar to hard cider a little bit. Both are fruit juices. Or both are fucking delicious. They're both kind of tart. Actually, hang on a sec. Hard cider was pretty popular in the, 18, uh, the 1800s as well. Uh, the Whig Party was all about, like, I don't know, the hard ciderites and all that shit. Wait a sec, was hard cider, like, the whole reason behind that dumb slogan? Was it more popular than shitty beer back then? We onto something here? Uh, either way, I don't think it worked out very well since, uh, you know, the whole 18th Amendment and Prohibition bullshit didn't really take off until the 1900s. And even then, it only lasted for, like, a little over 10 years. Whoops. Actually, it's funny to think about that. Not even a century ago, alcohol was just flat-out illegal. <laughs> like... It's 2020 right now, and in the middle of a pandemic, people are stumbling over one another to get those little takeout baggy cocktails because they can't stand to go longer than five days without being overcharged for cheap, shitty liquor. 
Anyway, the Timberts movement probably didn't do Lemonade any favors considering how unpopular it became, and Lemonade probably didn't appreciate being associated with a bunch of homely, middle-aged Karens holding rolling pins and ready to beat you over the head with a Bible. Actually, wait a second. How the fuck did these people expect you to, like, take communion at church if alcohol was illegal? How did that work? Did they have, like, church speakeasies? Like, hey there, Ralph, coast is clear, no cops. I'll take the usual. Got it. One holy sacrament coming up, buddy. Um, it's because it's not alcohol. It's the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Alcohol was illegal, but vampirism was totally cool. Vampirism is still totally cool. Well, either way, it doesn't really matter since the temperance movement went the way of the Zoom and Lemonade remained just as sought after and we're still drinking both it and booze to this very day. Obviously, that all said, the story doesn't stop there because now it's time to get modern and see what people have been doing with Lemonade in recent history. So, as mentioned, Lemonade has been popular in America for centuries. Even to this very day, you can find it in almost any soda fountain machine. You can get powdered versions of it at every grocery store. Most supermarkets have all these different brands of regular lemonade in a bottle. Also, I feel like you don't really see this one very often anymore, but concentrated lemonade used to be pretty big. Like, those, those big stupid frozen logs of concentrated juice that you, like, melted and added water to to make quote-unquote fresh lemonade... What happened to those? I feel like they were really popular when we were kids, and now they just aren't really around much anymore. I remember my mom making orange juice from concentrate when I was really young. I liked stirring the lump of frozen orange goo around until it melted. I remember being a kid and drinking just the the <laughs> concentrated fucking juice and being like, I'm gonna die. <laughs> Uh, apparently, though, the idea of juice concentrate was invented by Cedric Donald Atkins. Great name, by the way, dude in the the 1940s in florida checks out florida loves their citrus fruits well that and uh you know heroin anyway this guy cedric atkins was originally going to college to become a doctor but uh his family ran out of money so he just settled for a regular old bachelor of science i guess that's a pretty good consolation prize yeah a few years after he graduated, for some reason, the Florida Citrus Commission contacted him and asked him to come up with a way to create, well, better orange juice, basically. Turned out to be a good idea, though, because they were able to invent a new method called cutback concentration. Before this, boiling fruit juices to concentrate them removed the vitamin C and other nutrients from it, as well as changing the flavor and made it less palatable. This guy Atkins and his team managed to change the process to keep all that good stuff while still concentrating it into a condensed package that made it easier for storage. Yeah, ironically, despite this guy having a bunch of, like, patents created for his processes like making juices and concentrates, the patent for that whole, like, cutback process that he invented was, uh, instead awarded to the United States government. Fuck. What a great backstab on the federal government's part. <laughs> hey, uh... So we need you to do some work and uh, invent this new drink process for us because we want it to be easier to send orange juice to the troops. Think you're up to the challenge? Wait, 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 wait. Before you answer, just remember, we're going to totally steal your idea and claim the patent all for ourselves. <laughs> you didn't think we'd actually give you the credit, right? Oh, <laughs> that's a good one. You forget you're dealing with Uncle Sam here. Get the fuck out of here. Now, now, now go do our work for us. But yeah, anyway, like we said, uh, you don't really see this stuff anymore. I don't know, maybe like the clean eating movement chased it out of supermarkets since, uh, I don't know, surely frozen fruit is worse for you than fresh stuff. Oh, wait, what's that? Oh, right, frozen produce actually tends to retain more of its nutrients than fresh versions. Oh, well, there goes that theory. 
Earlier we mentioned that lemonade stands have been around for a couple hundred years in the form of street vendors. But what about all these annoying little kids sitting on the side of the street? Well, the history on that is a little murky since, honestly, a kid selling juice for a nickel isn't exactly much to write home about. Though on that note, one early account of an amateur adolescent lemonade stand mentions a Cornell student supposedly set up a lemonade stand in his dorm hall in 1873 to help pay his tuition. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he was, like, in on the whole goodbye to liquor, hello to lemonade, temperance thing. Curious how effective uh, that method was. On one hand, school was probably, like, way fucking cheaper back then. But at the same time, how many glasses of lemonade did you need to sell for a dime to actually, like, make a dent in your tuition? Yeah, so unsurprisingly, there wasn't much in the way of historical documentation when grade schoolers first started this practice, though it's estimated to be a 20th century invention. Yeah, nowadays in America, and less commonly in other places like England uh, as well, lemonade sands are uh, they're a fixture during the summertime. Children set up a table, they make some shitty lemonade out of powdered drink mix, and they sell it for like 50 cents or something. Maybe some of them actually make fresh squeezed lemonade, I don't know. I haven't patronized enough of them to get a feel for it. Anyway, hilariously, one of the reasons we actually have seen lemon stands pop into news headlines in modern times is because of more lousy examples of bureaucratic government bullshit. That's right, it's not enough for the G-men to steal patents from juice makers, they also gotta shut them down too. One example took place in 2015 in Texas. Some kid had their lemonade stand shut down by local authorities who cited they needed a permit to operate a temporary food service stand. In response, their mother tried to apply for said permit, but then was informed that in order to do that, she needed a thorough inspection of her kitchen by the health department to deem it safe enough. Yeah, another one of these, uh, it took place right here in New York a couple years ago. Uh, Some seven-year-old boy set up a uh, lemonade stand at his house, which uh, it happened to be nearby a country fair that was also running at the same time. And wouldn't you know it, vendors from the fair reported him to local authorities who instead of laughing in their faces at the prospect of grown adults asking a child's lemonade stand to be shut down, uh, instead they proceeded to inform the kid that legally he couldn't run it. Side note here, but people in the area pointed out that the kid's stand was selling lemonade for 75 cents, while the fair was selling lemonade for, oh, over $7? Yeah, so in other words, fuck those guys. Honestly, this is a weird topic for us since uh, we're not really fans of kids, and by that I mean we uh, we can't stand kids. That's putting it politely. As much as I truly want to have a good laugh at some snotty twerp being served a legal summons and bawling their eyes out, it's it's just it's just fucking stupid. Lemonade stands are a win-win situation. Some dopey kid learns something about business enterprise and capitalism, and then uh, some joggers get a cup of refreshing lemonade. And, you know, so much as it hurts to do this, I gotta side with the kids on this one. Red tape is bullshit and it benefits nobody. I guess, uh, I guess it just goes to show you, apparently we hate the government more than we hate children. I don't know if it always used to be so close, but, uh, government really hasn't been helping their case lately. Yeah, uh, Case in point, phone call to the IRS today. Yeah, uh, funny how that worked out. Wasn't planning for this to be (laughs) such an angry, fucking, highly, like, politically stung, uh, edition of, uh, of a food podcast, but, hey, uh, my, my, uh, my, my fucking parents would be so proud right now. They're probably watching fucking Fox News or something now. Anyway, let's close this little rabbit hole out. Um, There is some resolution at the end of the tunnel here. For starters, New York did actually introduce some state legislature after that incident, which officially declared lemonade stands to be legal. 
And in addition to this, Country Time Lemonade established legal aid, a program in which they grant money to help dumb kids pay legal fees related to having their lemonade stands shut down. That's a catchy name. I I like that they named it Legal Aid. It sounds like they should like just turn that into its own drink. From the makers of Lemonade and Orange Aid, we bring you Legal Aid, the most boring soft drink of all. It's got very little sugar. It's got very little juice. And overall, it's it's got very little flavor as well. It's, uh, it's honestly, it's, it's mostly just water. But it's the perfect soft drink to get you through your next litigation when you need your drink to match the soul-crushing weakness that you feel in your heart from having to deal with America's depraved legal system. Buy it now, or we'll sue you for libel. Also, fun facts time. Believe it or not, uh, the Japanese soft drink brand Ramune was actually named after lemonade as well as a corruption of the word lemonade. In Japanese, it would be transliterated as Ramunedo. The earliest forms of uh, Ramune were in fact lemon flavored, so uh, of course an English dude was the one who brought it over there. Scottish pharmacist Alexander Sim created the drink and he introduced it to the Japanese in uh, Kobe Prefecture in 1884. Despite this brand name, Japan also has non-Ramune branded lemonades called Remonido, which straddles the line between dopey carbonated lemonade from the British and classic normal lemonade. Ironically, despite it getting its start as a lemon soda, Ramune is more widely known for its, like, 8 billion other flavors now, like banana, blueberry, bubblegum, champagne, cherry, chocolate, corn, melon, pomelo, plum, pineapple, orange, raspberry, vanilla, wasabi, watermelon, apple, grape, melon, teriyaki, yuzu, yogurt, and eggplant? Yeah, eggplant. Mm-mm, nothing quite hits the spot like some good old-fashioned eggplant juice. Wait, do eggplants actually have a flavor? other than parmesan <laughs> the frig knows your guess is as good as mine uh yeah probably one of the most recent lemonade developments we've seen in western society is uh probably one of the more like probably one of the most divisive drinks ever created honestly it's both a beacon of hope to alcoholic lightweights everywhere at summer parties and it's also an easy target for basic ass chads to mercilessly take pot shots at of course we're now talking about mike's hard lemonade Mike's Hard Lemonade was first invented in 1999 by Anthony Von Mandel, who founded the hard drink company known as Mark Anthony Group. Apparently, this guy started in business as a wine importer before coming up with the idea of hard soft drinks. According to the company, in their research, they found at least a quarter of all men in America didn't actually like drinking beer, but they basically forced themselves to, you know, because they didn't have a choice. They didn't want to look like a pussy. And ain't that the fucking truth, my dudes. Growing up, I can relate to this so much. In my teen years, I remember every time I tried drinking a beer, all I could think was, this tastes like fucking shit. Why do people like this so much? Actually, by the time I was 20, I just flat out started refusing beer at parties and stuff, not because I was like straight edge, but because it sucks. Thank God my brother-in-law introduced me to good old hard cider. So I could still be peer pressured into drinking alcohol and feeling like one of the crew, but while at least drinking something that I enjoyed and also didn't taste like a homeless man's scrotum. It's really bizarre though, like, uh, Mike's heart still has a bit of a notorious reputation in popular culture. Like, this stuff was invented to let people say, oh nah, I'm not a little bitch, I'll drink it, I just don't want to drink beer. And yet now they still get made fun of for drinking it. 
It doesn't even make much sense. Mike's Hard has an alcohol content of about 5%, which is roughly the same or more than most popular beers out there. Yeah, I don't even get the whole issue here. It's alcoholic. You can get drunk on it. Why is there a stigma to drinking something that tastes good? Are we as a society that jaded and masochistic that we need to go, it's not enough that I'm literally poisoning my body. It needs to taste like ass, too. Ironically, there's even historical precedence for alcoholic lemonade. In the 13th century, that early lemonade... Quatermat... What was it? Katarmazad. It's all right. You did. You tried your hardest. Katarzamat <laughs> stuff had some documented recipes that were alcoholic. Hell, even Genghis Khan and the Mongols were drinking ancient predecessors to hard lemonade back when they were eating proto burger steaks. Fortunately, I feel like a lot of that horseshit has like finally died down in the last five years since, like we mentioned, there's just like a friggin' ton of like hard seltzers and like hard versions of other soft drinks now. Like we mentioned. Like, uh, like there, you know, there's alcoholic iced tea, there's hard root beer, wine coolers have been around forever. Honestly, I feel like they've almost gotten as popular as dopey beer is now. Whatever. Times change. Maybe in another 50 years, people will talk shit to you for having a glass of Guinness. Anyway, moving forward, let's take a look at this week's recipe for the main topic. Now then, this recipe for lemonade comes to us from the world, and it's as follows. Water, lemon juice, sugar. Uh, hmm. All right, uh, this recipe is a little, um, well, let's put it this way. Do you really need a recipe for lemonade? All right, all right, ha hang on a second. Uh, bear with us a moment while we find something more substantial. Okay, so instead of regular lemonade, let's try some tasty garlic lemonade. Yeah, uh, we weren't joking when we mentioned this at the beginning of the episode. Garlic lemonade and garlic tea is a real thing. I know, it sounds kind of weird, but hear us out here. So, garlic may be kind of smelly, and if you eat it, it might make you kind of smelly, too. But, if you get all garlicky yourself, you'll be able to ward off vampires. And, well, people in general, which is totally worth it. Yeah, and uh, real talk, like we said earlier, garlic tea and garlic lemonade has been like a sort of folk remedy for when you're sick for ages. Makes sense, though. Lemons are good for you. Garlic is good for you, so seems like a no-brainer, then. Garlic lemonade should be a pretty damn good drink to take if you're afraid of getting sick. Or afraid of vampires. As previously mentioned, it kind of tastes like garlicky, lemony gravy from some oven-roasted chicken, only sweet and yummy. Let's take a look at our very own recipe we posted on Poor Couple's Food Guide a few years back. So, for starters, uh, the ingredient list is one cup of boiling water, one bulb of garlic, one cup of sugar, one and a half cup of lemon juice or the juice of about six lemons, six cups of cold water, and one cup of ice. The process is really simple here. Boil your water and crush your bulb of garlic into coarse pieces. Take your boiling water and pour it into a pot with the sugar and crushed garlic. Stir it up to melt the sugar and after that let the whole thing steep for about five minutes. After those five minutes are up, stir in the lemon juice and let that mixture set for another five minutes. After this, add half the cold water into your pot, mix it well, and then strain that mixture into a pitcher. Add the rest of your cold water into the pitcher and stir the lemonade to mix it thoroughly. Add in your ice cubes and stir a bit more to make sure it's nice and cold. You can then put the pitcher into your fridge and let it get as cold as you want. Once it's cold, it's, it's ready to go. 
It's worth noting that you can make single servings of this and drink it hot. When it's hot, it's garlic tea. When it's cold, it's garlic lemonade. I don't know if that's an official rule or something we invented, but yeah. Yeah, um, we actually have the recipe for like a single serving of garlic tea uh, once again on poorcouplesfoodguide.com. So uh, I don't think we should feel bad about plugging our website because it's our website. It's our podcast. So, uh, oh, well. Anyway... For anyone who saw us at the Long Island Garlic Festival a couple times a few years back, you might remember us. We were serving up garlic lemonade at the Garden of Eve farm in Riverhead. We had a lemonade stand basically set up at the festival. We also were selling garlic popcorn as well. And the selling was whatever. We just about broke even. But we had more fun putting on like the like demonstrations at the event tent. We also ran into the really weird problem of a decent number of idiots being really put off by garlic-themed foods at, uh, you know garlic themed festival even popcorn everyone loves popcorn but you think we were trying to sell them poison yeah really i don't know what the hell that was all about like i get it if you never had it before garlic lemonade does sound kind of gross kind of out there but we had people like making faces and all these knuckleheads making remarks like "Mm, you know they'll find a way to stick garlic into anything here uh, not sure if those people were aware, but you just walked into a motherfucking garlic festival. Of course, vendors are going to try to stick garlic into everything. That's the entire point of this fucking event. It's like going to a Yankee game going, I don't know, there's an awful lot of baseball shit here at this baseball game. Fucking morons. Also, it's stupid because there are plenty of other garlicky foods there, too. They had garlic ice cream, for fuck's sake. We're not the only ones who are mixing garlic with sweet stuff. Anyway, yeah, so I, I don't know what their problem is. So, like... Listen, give it a shot. Try making it sometime. It, like, it's really unique, and it's worth trying at least once. Who knows? You might like it, and hell, maybe it'll help boost your immune system during this friggin' coronavirus pandemic. At the very least, it'll help you keep up your social distancing. And that should about cover it for today's main course. Hope you guys saved room, as always, for some dessert. <laughs> Okie dokie, so this week we're going to do another edition of Review Roast. So, Review Roast is a recurring column where we browse online reviews of our favorite local restaurants and we valiantly defend their honor against the villains who have sullied their hallowed names. There's a lot of assholes out there and we don't have time to roast them all, so let's see what we could find. Today's episode we're going to be looking at reviews for Brickhouse Brewery, once again here in Patchogue, New York. Now, uh, Brickhouse Brewery has actually got a cool bit of history. Like, I think the building itself was, uh, it's like 200 years old or something. It used to be like a general store called Shands. But in like the last like 20, two and a half, like 20 years, like two and a half decades, they became a brewery and uh, they were like ahead of the whole stupid like microbrew, like craft beer craze. So they're pretty cool. And they've always had like, you know, good food, good menu. And uh, we're a little bit, biased in favor of them now i guess because they also catered our wedding so uh i think we'd said it in another episode but like yeah shout out to Brickhouse brewery you you guys did a good job we we got a lot of compliments on the food yeah i was gonna say if the food had been bad like even if they catered our wedding if the food was bad we wouldn't have stood for that so yeah and uh we like food so um i feel like we're qualified to defend them against trolls on the internet with that said let's move on to our very first stupid idiot review now, this first review comes from Michael Buguccio on Google, whose review is as follows. One star. Never go there for the Wednesday quote-unquote open mic. Uh, is this guy, like, has he never heard of an open mic before? Uh, anyway, 
It is a scam to get musicians or people in the door. It's only for featured acts and friends of the host. I've been there early at least five times, never got to play. The sign-in gets there late, and it's full before it gets there. Last time there, it took one guy, one guy, nine minutes to set up and play for a half an hour. It was 9.45. 40-minute sets leaves three more acts for the night. Then, maybe the open starts around midnight. Oh yeah! I contacted the management and was told Brickhouse Brewery has nothing to do with the open mic. F that! Me and my friends will never go there. You so, used to play open mics there a lot when you were in band, right? Yeah, I did. I play. I've been. I over the last like, over the last ten years, I probably played like open mic. Um, I don't know, at least like uh, a a few times a year, almost every year for the last ten years. And I don't know what the hell this guy's talking about. More more than that though. Uh, what I want to know is, did this guy really just leave the restaurant a one star and then at the end of the fucking review admit that Brickhouse has nothing to do with yeah. the open mic? So they're reviewing the person who's in charge of the open mic, but leaving the review for the restaurant. I, okay. I guess because you can't you can't review the open mic. You can't review the guy, Kyle Fitzpatrick or what is whatever his name is. Unless you're just going to stalk his Facebook page. One star. Didn't let me play it open mic. Fuck you, Kyle. Well, I feel like if you've been to any open mic ever, you know that time management is like a huge issue at all of them. Like any open mic, it's like it takes people forever to set up and then people go over. But like, I don't know, that's part of going to open mics, isn't it? Yeah, there's always one guy who they're like, you get three songs and the guy's like, got it. Each one of my songs is 15 minutes long. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, like I said, he at the he fucking in his review. That's all bitching about open mic. He, at the end of that review, says, I know Brickhouse said that they have nothing to do with the open mic, but F that, we'll never go there. Like, fucking dude, come on. You can still go on a day that's not Wednesday and just, you know, eat some yummy food. Yeah, what a novel concept. Going to a restaurant for food? Who'd have thought it? Maybe actually, you know, spend some money there uh, to be qualified yeah. to give, leave them a review. Yeah, instead of just expecting them to give you free coverage for your shitty guitar act. Ugh, uh... If... All right. Next review is from Kyle Conrad. Bartender, if you can call her that, was horrible. Took 15 minutes to get a beer. Never asked if I wanted food. Had to ask for menu. Then took 25 minutes to order food. Bartender was too busy complaining about her other job to the customers next to me. Honey, I'm so sorry you have to work three hours without a break. I would hate to see you work a real job. Never will I go back. Jesus. What a fucking douchebag. What a bitch. Like, take that, wait staff in, like, the entire food service industry. Why don't you work a real job? Also, can you bring me my food faster because I'm lazy and I can't cook at home? Fuck you. Even uh, nature's mad now. Yeah, we got some thunder going on. The world is mad at you, Kyle Conrad, and your shitty one-star review. I like, like, I like it he's trying to play up, like, the bartender is busy complaining about her other job to the customers next. It's like... Uh, have you never been in a restaurant before? Bartenders and, like, waitstaff people, they tend to, like, talk to customers because people like to talk and yeah. people like friendly waitstaff. Also, like, I don't know. I feel like, I mean, the way Brickhouse is set up, there's the bar and there's also bar top tables and then there's the dining room in the back. I feel like the waitstaff usually assumes if you're just at the bar itself, you're just there mostly for drinks. And if you want food, you go to the bar top table. Yeah. So just be like, they didn't even bring me menu. I had to ask. Like, I don't know. They're serving like 20 other people. Like, I don't know. Say at the beginning you want food too. It's not Ugh. that hard. 
I'd hate to see Kyle Conrad leave a real review. <laughs> Never go back to his profile. Oh, sick burn. Yeah, take that. Uh, next up, we have Nat F., who uh, I believe this is also from Google Reviews. She leave No, this was from Yelp. Nat F. on Yelp leaves a one-star review in 2013 stating... Before I made it even before I even made it into this place, I was brutally attacked by the doorman. Then he smashed my cell phone after I took a video of him to show the police. I hadn't even had a single beer. I was there to pick up money for my friend who was right inside the door. What a nightmare. Uh yeah, I'm sure that was the whole story and uh she didn't exaggerate that at all. Yeah, I'm sure it's exactly how it played out. I'm sure she walked up to, for some reason, pick money up from her friend in a bar. I'm sure that's exactly what she went to pick up money from her friend. And before she made the door, the doorman attacked her and smashed her cell phone. Yep, checks out. Also, I like the fact that um, uh, she she's trying to make this out to be like she walked up and got attacked. But then also was like, I didn't even have a single beer. I swear. Like, yeah, how is so that? You weren't. Like, you did. Know. You weren't. You 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 said you didn't even make it into the building apparently, but you're also like, I didn't even have a single beer. It's like uh-huh. they pretty much assumed if you're walking up to a, a like from outside, like you hadn't had anything to drink yet. Yeah, it's almost like she was already there and like probably like didn't tell the truth in this review. What a nightmare! Oh. The next review. Unlike half the novel reviews left, is short and simple. Short and to the point. From Rocking G Man, terrible service. Bartenders only give you service if you tip large. Food is getting a little better. Place does smell. <laughs> I just really like the last set, like not even sentence, sentence fragment. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I, weirdly, there were like a lot of reviews that mentioned it's smelling, but like we've ne- we go there a lot, and it's never smelled like anything other than food and like beer i guess it's the people going at like two in the morning after everyone started vomiting and stuff yeah i I could see if you go in the middle of the fucking night and everyone's vomiting on you then i could see it like smelling like vomit (laughs) i just you're you're right like food is getting a little better place does smell (laughs) oh uh uh this next one is comes to us from james white who um Apparently, he's never been to a, a, a bar before, I guess, or like a club or whatever. But one star review, cover charge, dot, 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 lol. That's it. <laughs> what does that even, what does that review even mean? Like, are they like laughing at the fact that there is a cover charge? Do they think there should be a cover charge? Like, I don't, I don't even understand. Well, interestingly, uh, we have the exact same date on Yelp is a review from John W., who uh, incidentally has the same exact initials as James White. Hmm, conspiracy time. Uh, John W. writes, If I could rate them a zero, I would. What the fuck? These motherfuckers charge a $5 cover to get in. The fucking charge you to spend money at their bar? I came here once. I would rather go anywhere else and pay for my drinks without the cover. Ain't your fucking... Eight? You're fucking serious. You're gonna charge me to fucking spend money at your bar? Fuck that. It'll go to any other bar and patch up. Thanks. Don't go here. They suck. Jesus. Like, I like I said, I am curious if it's just the same guy, but like, maybe just one of his friends. Like, like I said, it was the same date, so I like to point out this guy has one review on Yelp. It's, it's literally the only review he's ever left. Uh, but yeah, wow, that dude is fucking angry. Yeah. Jesus. Like, I don't know. We don't really go on weekends, but like, 
so like we've never paid a cover charge for there but like i don't know isn't a cover charge for bars at like busy times like weekends like fairly common practice yeah that's what i was gonna say is with like this asshole or these these pair of assholes like just a like, cover charge law like maybe they're like 15 they've just never into a bar before like fucking it, it's it's pretty standard at every restaurant or bar that's like playing music to charge a cover charge if it's like you know a weekend night ah i don't like you said we don't go to bars and shit that much anymore like nothing we ever really did whatever i i've i've paid cover charges begrudgingly and i think they're dumb but like i wouldn't i wouldn't go to a fucking restaurant and be like let me in and they said they'll be five bucks and i go fuck you and then write the angriest review of my lifetime five minutes later mash it out of my cell phone fucking zero stars they charge cover charges like everyone this next one comes from joy d friday night looking for a couple of beers and appies I already don't like this person. <laughs> Wish the whole beer and apps experience was better. What looked good on paper was executed poorly. The only thing was the beer was cold. The stout was good. The Blondale I've had better. The beer battered garlic parmesan wings sounded delicious, but it was a greasy mess and lacked garlic. In parentheses, $10. <laughs> we had to pay, pay the grease off with the napkins. <laughs> the big pretzel was huge. Parentheses, $13. But dipped in butter, and the three accompanying sauces were too sweet. Parentheses, honey mustard. Beer cheese, too grainy. And rum chata just didn't work. Golden was a better choice. To top it off, we heard the vocal stylings of a guy who couldn't coordinate his off-key vocals to his disjointed playing. <laughs> Again, like, I don't know. Don't leave a review based on, like, the music acts, but, like... I mean, that's only part of the review, but still. I like that she said they had to pay the grease yeah. off with napkins. Like, the <laughs> Grease, g- I'll give you napkins if you leave. All right, if you say so, I'll get out of here. Uh, why, like, newsflash, like, fucking, like, I got bad news for you. Like, wings are fried. Yeah. Like, yeah, was- you could bake wings, but at bars and shit like hot wings and like whatever like chicken wings are fried they're deep fried so like complaining that they're too greasy is like complaining that the pretzel has too much flour in it yeah i was gonna say i feel like in the past we had complained about their beer battered chicken fingers being a little oily but at the same time like it's chicken fingers so like we're not gonna leave a bad review about it like i've had their beer battered uh parmesan wings and they're different the the yeah. chicken fingers are like in a thick like pancake batter the, the 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 wings they're just like it's a loose batter and like i, I like they're just like it lacked garlic like how I i'm want sure you to... if there's more garlic there'd be another who'd be like one star too, too much, much garlic, garlic on the parmesan garlic wing how do you expect to get garlic to fucking stick onto chicken wings like i don't know also i like that they complained about like the the dipping sauces for the pretzel and then just suggest like golden would be a better choice it's like so if you want fucking pretzels and like a bottle of shitty golden, like go to the store, buy pretzels and golden mustard. Yeah. Bam. Honey mustard is the best mustard. Like, I don't care. Like, honey mustard will always be better than whatever other ass mustard there is. This next one is from Lindsay Bergen. It's from three years ago. Haven't been here in months because the last time we went, the waitress, parentheses, who was in a tank top and flip flops knew nothing on the menu i asked if the sauerkraut on the reuben was sweet she said no but it was boyfriend asked for no honey mustard on his chicken sandwich and guess what was on it honey mustard 
I literally took two bites of my sandwich, and because it was quote-unquote half-eaten, she said the manager, who never came out to see us, said I had to pay for the sandwich. Mind you, after someone else dropped the food off, we had to ask a busboy to find our server so we could tell her what was wrong. Hopefully she doesn't work there anymore. (sighs) That harlot wearing a tank top and flip-flops, which is... There's a response under the review from... The owner, one of the managers, who's yeah. like, that's impossible. Yeah, I, I really appreciated that the uh, there was there was a review response on Google from the owner of Brickhouse Brewery saying that is not dress code for any of our waitresses, and it, and it has not been for over ten years, so that is impossible. And like, good for them standing up to like assholes like this. Uh, what I'm guessing here's here's what I'm guessing happened was there was just like some random like some woman was just walking through the bar yeah. and uh, and they were like tell us about the sauerkraut and the woman was like I, I don't know what are you talking about and they're like is the sauerkraut sweet uh, probably not and then yeah walked away um, also I just like how she literally took two bites started eating her sandwich. And then was mad she had to pay for the sandwich she fucking ate. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, what a novel concept. I had to pay for the sandwich I started to eat. Oh, no. Also, her boyfriend asked for no honey mustard on his streetlight chicken sandwich. Uh, your boyfriend's a fucking moron because honey mustard, for starters, is like one of the best condiments. And second of all, uh, honestly, I've had the streetlight chicken sandwich like a thousand times Without honey mustard on it, it's going to taste like nothing. That sandwich is made of fucking honey mustard. That's like the defining quality of it. Honestly, the waitress was doing them a fucking favor by putting honey mustard back onto it. Fuck you. Oh, God. All right, let's move on to our last review, which comes from... novel? Yeah, uh, yes, Shakespearean novel. This is is, uh, the review to end all reviews, which comes from J.A. on Yelp. And this man wrote a masterpiece. Unless you are receiving a complimentary meal, the service is an insult. Even then, it's highly questionable. Upon arrival, my party was seated in a dining room that, for the majority of our stay, was not more than 70 to 75% full, and the place did not seem understaffed. Such a lovely people-viewing experience I had here as well. I watched manifold servers apologizing to the numerous guests whose orders were lacking. In fact, I even had the opportunity to watch patrons, patrons who had arrived well after we did, consuming food, well before our cuisine arrived at the table. I'm not making this shit up. This is verbatim how it was fucking written. This is quote for quote. Our drinks finally arrived after 20 minutes, and the order was incomplete. The water was missing. Once a marathon of time had elapsed after our appetizer, we suspected our lunch order had been forgotten. After questioning our server, the food arrived, eventually. Whether the order was whipped together in that time period, or had lain in the kitchen cooling down is unclear to me. The cuisine is not even good, it is simply flavorless. Sorry, Brickhouse, but you cannot just throw some bacon and creative cocktails on the menu and transmute it into a sophisticated eatery. The hot wings were not hot, in fact the sauce was a bit creamy, and fast food burgers taste better. We were offered complimentary beverages to compensate for the tardiness, and shortly after ordering, we learned the bartender was running behind. I ate my meal without any drink at all. No bar beverage and no refilled water. Brickhouse, I shan't see you again. (laughs) Holy shit! This sounds like satire! It does. I look. The guy has like 130 fucking reviews on Yelp. I didn't look at the others to see if they were fucking written like a fucking Shakespearean play, but like, 
motherfucker. Also, I like that they, the guy fucking, like, honestly, I don't even, like, after all that, I don't even know what the problem was. It just sounded like it was busy. Yeah. But, like, like, it was only 70 to 75% full. Like, at lunchtime? That's, like, pretty full. I li- but, like, I like at the end, he's just, like, they gave us free drinks. And, uh, and that was like, he, so he's mad because like they, apparently it took a long time and they, and they were running late or something and they gave him free drinks to make up for it. And, but he shan't see them again, unfortunately. He also doesn't mention how big their party was. Like, did you come with like 10 people and then are mad that the table of two people got your food before yeah, you? Yeah. Like that's how it that's, usually works. That's a pretty works. common thing. I don't know if you're fucking, if you, if you show up and you're like, my party was seated in the dining room with the majority of us day. Like fucking like, I... I, I don't know. There's no way that this guy isn't like a fucking like Victorian era of upperclassman that just fucking traveled to the future and is like mad. <laughs> like who fucking speaks like this? Uh. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I gotta say like if if this is how this guy actually speaks like on a day to day basis, I don't think he should be going to like bars for like pub food. Yeah. I don't think chicken wings are up your alley. I'm confused. Because I just realized in the second paragraph, because this review legit has three paragraphs, he says, our drinks finally arrived after 20 minutes. But then at the end, he says, like, um, he ate his meal without any drink at all. No bar beverage and no refilled water. So, like, which one is it? That's a good point. Did your drink, like, finally come after 20 minutes or did you not get a drink? I think in his just, like, I think this guy was just, like, writing. He was doing, like, a creative writing assignment. And then towards the end, he forgot what he wrote. He forgot the story. Or, like, did you finish your lunch in 20 minutes? In which case, why are you complaining that it took apparently took so long? Oh, my God. J.A., I shan't read your reviews again. <laughs> all right, peeps. So that, we're all set here. Check, please. Well, that's it for this week's edition of Poor Couples Food Guide Deep Dish Podcast. Remember, we are, in fact, the only podcast left where you're more likely to learn about cereal than serial killers. Search recipes, cooking tips, and other cool stuff on our website, poorcouplesfoodguide.com. And don't forget, you can always write into us at poorcouplesfoodguide at gmail.com to ask for any food advice that you may need. You can also send in any comments, feedback, criticism, hate mail, love mail, chain letters, postcards, and whatever random pondering should pass your mind. Once again, that's poorcouplesfoodguide at gmail.com, or if you like, you can hit us up on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram as well. Next week, we'll be serving up one of the most ubiquitous summertime treats of all time. No campfire is complete without one of these bad boys, and yet, unsurprisingly, unsur- uh, despite seeming fairly modern, they've actually been around for nearly 100 years. Think you know what it is? Write into our email or comment on social media with your guesses, and if you're correct, we'll give you a super cool shout-out in a future episode. Until then, everybody, we bid you a good day and good eats, so stay hungry and keep feeding that brain. And tummy. Also, it's thundering. Mm-hmm. Which is annoying because I don't want to wait forever to take the dog out. You should invent some sort of like gun. Not a gun gun, but like a Where thing. Where is this going when I'm talking about taking the dog out? <laughs> I meant take him outside, not take him out mafia style. <laughs> a thing that looks like a gun, but it's like it's actually a magic gun. And you just like aim it at your dog's like chest and uh, it just like magically evaporates all the pee in their bladder.
Mm. You look Actually, for people too. 